My message this week is based on the second reading assigned for this third Sunday of Easter, coming from the first letter of Peter, chapter 1, beginning at verse 13. So, or therefore, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live your life as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favourites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. It was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ you have come to trust in God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again, but not to a life which will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. We can, be, uh, we can react at being told to do things at times, can't we? We might be thinking a bit like that now when we're told that uh, the church must be closed and we can't gather together for worship. Why? Why are we being told to do these things? There are reasons and there's a basis why we're told not to meet together at this time. And it's not that suddenly we have some kind of anti-Christian government trying to force the Christian faith to close down altogether. We are not under that kind of order to close down worship, or at least worship gatherings. We're facing a pandemic, uh, this highly infectious new virus, which as yet has no cure, no vaccine, and there's a lot of uncertainty in this situation. 
uh, what this virus can do, where it can lead, and what could happen. Not only, but especially for the vulnerable people in the community. Therefore, we don't gather together for worship at this time. There's a reason for what we're doing, a basis for it. And as Christians too, it's an opportunity to show love by foregoing something that's really important to us. When Peter tells us in the text today to hope, to live holy lives and to love one another, there's that word therefore or so that begins those uh, instructions. It comes at the start, at the beginning of the text that we heard read at verse 13. And it shows us that these commands, these things to do, to hope, to live holy lives, to love one another, these commands are not just plucked out of the air somewhere, but there's a basis for them. And there's a motivation to doing them. That word therefore or so connects us to what Peter has said before. And Peter has just told us what God has done for us and what God has called us to be as his people. And that God has given us new life because he has raised Jesus to life after his cruel death. And it tells us that we have a priceless inheritance that can't decay no matter what happens. And that God has a plan for our future that is sure and that can be trusted. As a consequence of what God has done for us and what God gives us, especially in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, there's a life that we lead that bears witness to that. And Peter here lists these three things. To hope, to live holy lives, and to love others. To do these things will show others what God has done for you and what God has given you. So let's look at the first one, to hope. Now you might not be feeling so hopeful. Yet Peter tells you to hope. Well, Peter's not just telling you to have some sort of wishful thinking that things would get better. Instead, he's got something much more certain in his telling you to hope. God has acted. Therefore, you can live a life of hope. You can live your life in confidence that you are part of God's history, the things that God has done, and that you have a future, what God promises, and that this is part of God's plan, and that you are in God's hands. It's a little bit like saying that you live your life by faith, which means that trusting in what God has done for you and the promises he gives you, this affects the way you live your life now and what is happening in the here and now. And Peter uses the word hope in a very similar way. The way you live your life now and the way you live your life through the things you are going through now is a direct result of what God has done for you and what God gives you and what he promises for you. So we see this in verse 21 where Peter says, 
Through Christ you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. So this is not just something you give a slight nod to or say that you believe in. When you believe in something, when you trust in something, when you put your hope in something, that changes the whole way you live your life, doesn't it? It has consequences for your life. When you put your hope in God who raised Christ from the dead, this is now the perspective through which you live your life and it colors the whole way you live now and it shows the hope that you have in God. The second thing that Peter says is live holy lives. Now you might recall, recoil a bit at this and think, mm, I can't be holy. And you're right, of course. We can't achieve the level of holiness that God expects. And so I remind you that Peter says right at the beginning of his letter, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and the Spirit, His Spirit, has made you holy. So Peter knows that it is God that makes you holy. So when Peter says, be holy, he's saying, be what you are, what God has called you to be and what God has made you to be. Show yourselves in your daily life what in fact you are, the people of God, God's holy people. He has called you and he has made you holy. And this is a challenge in our current situation. Oftentimes people would see you going to church on Sundays, but now you can't go to church, which is a challenge and an opportunity to show that the Christian life is not a, just about being one hour a week in a building. It's a challenge to show how you belong to God, how you are one of God's family. How do you show that? Since God is holy and your holiness can only come from him, what would that look like? Sometimes when people say that God is holy, they think of God as being so far off, so remote, so aloof. But when you see God revealed in Jesus, there you see him as one who comes near to you and shows his love to you. He's the one who shows extraordinary love. And hasn't that been the good news of Easter that we've just heard? That God comes close to us in Jesus, his suffering and death for us, and shows that extraordinary love in Christ Jesus. That's the love of God in Jesus for us. Peter says it this way in verses 18 and 19. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you, and it was not paid with mere gold and silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God rescued you. God set you free. And it cost him his life. Jesus did this so that you can belong to him. So to be the 
people of God now, as God has shown in Jesus, is not to withdraw from the world, but to live in the world and engage with the world and do that in your whole life in the world, even at the cost of suffering for the sake of others. And this, of course, is a challenge at this moment because we have had to withdraw and isolate. But in the challenge is the opportunity to think, what does it really mean to be God's holy people? What does it mean if it's not just about going to a church building one hour a week, one day a week? How can I show in the way I live my life every day that God is not some distant, faraway, uncaring, unapproachable person? How can I express God's holiness, his comforting coming near to all people? I think the third thing that Peter says helps us to answer that question in a way. He says, love others. You might remember that Jesus made the command to love the most important commandment. Love God and love others. This is the most important commandment. And there's a lot of teaching in God's word about love. For example, love comes from God. And we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Both of those teachings come from the first letter of John. And of course, a very famous text tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son from the gospel of John chapter 3, verse 16. Your Christian love will come from God and will have Jesus at the center. With Jesus at the center, you can see that God's love is a caring, self-giving, unconditional love. And it's not just a feeling of, a, of love for you. It's a love in action for you. Peter says that this love is genuine. It comes from the heart. And this love makes the church, even if the building is closed, a family of people who show God's love caring to others, caring for others. And you are part of such a family. You belong to this family that loves and accepts you, the family of God. In the PNG community, we like to sing that song about being the family of God. We say, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> you may come, boom, one time. Now come up, family. Yes, we become God's family, the family of God. And that comes because God gathers us together under the cross of Christ, even though we didn't know each other before. Uh, through Jesus our Lord, Lord, he has joined us together in one family. All of this comes to you, First Peter tells you, through the living word of God. It's not just shut up in a book, closed up, but it's the good news that is living. Peter says, thank God his word is active. Even when the doors of our church buildings are closed, that word of God is still active. Peter tells us in, first, uh, uh, in the chapter 1, verse 24, 25, that this is what will last. The word of God, the good news. This is what will last when other things are taken away from you. This continues this word of God, the good news of Jesus, will continue 
to transform your life, to give you new life where you put your hope in God, where you live lives, holy lives, as part of God's family and where you show love to others. Amen.